This is Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. Shine On is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from 100.7 WHUD. Hi, it's Casey, shining on today with some good old-fashioned inspiration. If you're going through a situation or a diagnosis or a rough patch, let this half hour give you some hope and proof that things can get better. Kelly Martinson is here. She's written the book, A Year of Inspired Living, but it's her day-to-day life over the last couple of years that gives us a true new perspective today. And if you're looking for a sign to start a new business, Jessica Meyerowitz has a story to tell. She turned her passion into profit with It's a Yummy, homemade blankets and scarves, soft and scrumptious. And she can help settle your mind with a little mindfulness knitting, too. That's all coming up. Plus, a therapist is here to help with advice for the young ladies we are raising. What are the words and actions we can give our young people so they feel empowered and confident? We're going to learn together. First, meet Kelly McGrath-Martinson. I wanted to talk to her about her new book, A Year of Inspired Living. But the story of what Kelly's life has been like the last couple of years really takes center stage. Kelly's writing stems from her work as publisher of A Natural Awakenings magazine out on Long Island. And as she was speaking, I realized from my local Natural Awakenings magazine that I read about Kelly's visitor from Puerto Rico, another Natural Awakenings publisher. The publisher from Puerto Rico had lost everything in Hurricane Maria. That woman was staying with Kelly, and it was that woman who alerted Kelly to the fact that there was a fire in her house. Just listen as it all unfolds, and listen, too, for the light in Kelly's spirit. She really is something. So again, to set the stage, imagine publishing a book of inspiration, and suddenly your house burns down. And this comes after a couple of other major life issues in the family. Kelly Martinson, give us the timeline. The fire was on the 14th of October, and the book release was, gosh, now the 18th. So it was like my final edit was due the 18th. So what does what does the woman <laughs> who just spent so much time of her life teaching other people to have an inspired year, what does that person do when she has a house fire? Could you imagine? I, uh, um, that's a great, great question. So the things that led up to writing the book, I had faced some things that were even probably worse than a house fire. My husband had had bile duct cancer in 2007. At the same time, my son had been diagnosed with a rare form of epilepsy called Landau-Kleffner. So the house fire, while traumatic, I mean, literally we were woken up in the middle of the night, quite ironically, by a woman from Puerto Rico who was staying with us post-hurricane. She smelt the smoke first, and actually um, we had provided her some refuge, and she actually ended up Waking, waking us up, so that was there was sort of a poignant moment in that, and um, we got out, and while we were watching the house burn, while it was devastating, I mean, it's, it's our stuff, I think the lessons I had learned years prior was that it was just stuff. So for me, it, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was awful, it was horrible, but in the things I had faced, I was kind of like, oh, okay, we're going to do this again, we're going to pick ourselves up, we're going to look at the positive, we're going to thank God that we're all alive and just focus on that. How, how It really could have, that, the fire in Long Beach could have, if you see it, it's, you can Google it, it, it could have been much worse. But because you had a woman staying in your home, who, yeah. who had escaped from where? Puerto Rico. She was staying with us because she had, you know, Puerto Rico was devastated by Hurricane Maria. So she had brought her son here 
for school and he's a surfer and he was crying that he missed the ocean so much. They were staying in New Jersey. I said, why don't you just live at our house every weekend and he can surf every weekend and he can have that peace, you know? So she happened to be there. It was her second weekend and she smelled the smoke first. What a story. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, And for everyone who's w- watching the TV drama, This Is Us, have, are you, right? <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not up to that part okay, yet. Okay, fine. <laughs> not saying a word. Not saying a word, girlfriend. Oh, so funny. I know, but people are sort of, uh, we're two, two episodes behind, but yeah. by the fact that everybody keeps texting me like, did you see it yet? I'm like, oh, probably an electrical fire is my guess. Well, I'm not saying anything, um, but yeah, okay. So what I love about you, Kelly Martinson, is after all you shared with me, the brightness in your voice and the energy of your smile is all that I hear. Thanks. It's all that I hear. So A Year of Inspired Living is a wonderful book that people can pick up and go on an inner journey with a little bit of guidance from you. Have you have you used any of these techniques yourself in the past couple of months to get over what you've been through? Yeah, you know, it's been a nice reminder. It's The book as it's written has always been my letters to myself. So they came from publisher letters I wrote as publisher of Natural Awakenings. And each letter... I would write sort of to myself, like it'd be a letter about being kinder or being more forgiving or trying new things like yoga. You know, they were always letters sort of to myself. And the the book leaves a page for the reader to write their experience with the same topic. So for me, I'm actually going through my own book as the reader, which is really neat, especially in light of, you know, living in this rental with, you know, no, not much furniture, not much clothes, you know, so it's been interesting for sure. Now that you said you're with Natural Awakenings, we have our local magazine here of Natural Awakenings for Westchester and the Hudson Valley. And I am aware that uh, on one of their recent covers, one of their fall covers, they had the owners of the Natural Awakenings magazine from Puerto Rico. So that was Waleska and Luis, and Waleska is the woman who was with me who woke us up smelling smoke you know it's a small small world it is is. a small small world that is amazing so when you said a woman from Puerto Rico I'm thinking could it be that yoga teacher from Natural Awakenings Puerto Rico because I know they've created an incredible network in Puerto Rico around health and wellness they really really have and they walk the talk you know that's another actually even another chapter in the book I talk about just surrounding yourself by you know people like that, like Waleska, what, you know, who really just walk their talk. How is your son and how is your husband? So both are miraculously perfect, imperfectly perfect. They're, uh, my, my husband had a good long fight, but in the end he got a liver from his brother, a half a liver, because the liver regenerates. He went through chemo and radiation, and now he just is monitored with, you know, anti-rejection drugs, but he's great. He's fine, he's healthy, he's, he was surfing at five yesterday morning, you know, he's very, very healthy and well. And then my son as well. My son was a real, that was a very difficult one because Landau Kleffner, there was only 200 case reports in the literature. And that was a big fight with me saying, he has this, he has this. And then finally, some neurologists agreed. And then he did an, uh, an infusion of immunoglobulin because it's a, they think it's caused by a viral or systemic inflammation. And he was well within about a year. I mean, he had lost a year, so he had to catch up, but that was about 10 years ago. But during all that, you know, while you're fighting with doctors and you're not processing anything. So this book was, some of it is processing after the fact. And what was the name of your son's disease? 
Landau Kleffner, and it was named after the two doctors, Landau and Kleffner. And how did you diagnose it? Well, because he started exhibiting signs of like what would be similar to autism, and so we we brought him to a neurologist, and he was about five years old, and the neurologist said, oh, okay, this is classic autism. And I kept saying, fine, perfect, but he didn't have it six months ago. So my knowledge of autism was that it would start at about 18 months, two years, three years. These neurologists never had met us, so they said, oh, you know, you're just a mom. You probably didn't notice it. You didn't want to see it. You were in denial. I'm thinking, no, I mean, I, he's different. That's why we're here. Um, and also my pediatrician was great, too, because when he found out that a renowned neurologist said Dylan had autism, he said, you better get him to the ER because unless he got it a day ago, you know, because he knew him. Mm. So he kind of validated. I was like, I was thinking the same thing. So, you know, we went to the ER and then he was only having seizures in the middle of the night. So we never would have seen them. What happened was he took a nap in the ER and an ER fellow looked at him and said, did he just have a seizure? So we would never have seen those seizures. He only had them in deep deep sleep. Any aspect of your life in the past couple of months, (laughs) couple of years could be like a made for TV movie. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's been a crazy, crazy ride. And I keep thinking, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. I keep thinking, like, there's got to be some reason for all this, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Well, what a fierce and powerful woman you are uh, that you have navigated these waters so beautifully. And you have this beautiful book to show for it, A Year of Inspired Living. Now, we're well into 2018. Can we still catch on? Yeah. The great thing about the book is that, um, again, it's really meant for the reader. There's so many self-help books, and I love self-help books. I read them all the time. I love them. But I always feel like, oh, oh, I wish I could engage deeper in that topic, or, oh, this doesn't fit me right now. With this book, we, we guide the reader to just start. It's written month to month, so we're heading into February. You could open it up in February and start in February and just complete the circle from where you started. It's really meant for you to be able to read it and pick it up whenever you want. And, you know, even people who bought it at Christmas said, oh, I haven't started it because life's gotten crazy. And even if that happens, you know, pick it up, you know, if May things calm down, that's when you can, you know, start with it. Let us have some of your very best advice. Uh, pull a chapter out of the book and tell us what we can do today. How can we start? What can we do to get into our year of inspired living? I will say my favorite chapter is the chapter on blame and trying to rid ourselves of that habit. So it would be very easy, just using the fire as an example, it would be so easy for me to say, oh, this is the contractor's fault, or oh, if I blame myself, if I only knew that that refrigerator over there was humming oddly or was not cooling things, you know, we do a lot of blame, blame, blame. And I think when you're focused that way, right, when you're focused towards blame, 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 you can't move towards the better things, which are, you know, awaiting us, like the happiness, the the good times. Um, You know, another example is even in the work environment. So I worked for a company, a a pharmaceutical company, you know, another, it feels like another lifetime ago, it was when Kevin and Dylan were both sick. There was a lot of blame for me when I, they finally let me go. We had different ideals and they let me go. And I, you know, I blamed the manager and I was so focused on blaming him that I couldn't turn around and find like, I'm supposed to be doing something different. Like the universe is forgiving. Get him. Yes, you don't like him. Yes, he fired you. But 
maybe there's a bigger purpose. If I stop blaming, I can kind of open up and say, okay, what's there for me? And and, and funny thing is, Natural Awakenings was there for me. And I, I knew I wanted to work in prevention. Natural Awakenings was actually a territory for sale on Long Island. It had been sale, for sale for months. I had seen the ad that it was for sale, but it wasn't until I stopped, you know, fighting my, my being laid off that I was able to actually see the ad, if that makes sense. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you something once. I had, you know, Byron Katie. The wonderful author Byron Katie. I had her on, I interviewed her like I'm interviewing you right now. This was years ago, and her message is the same, right? Her message is the same. Don't look, don't point out, point in. Yeah. When I played back the tape, I couldn't hear it. Yeah. And, you know, years later, I went back, and there was nothing wrong with the audio. There, there must have been, I, you know, a button out of whack, but it's so telling. There yeah, was it the, is. The message I needed the most, and I couldn't hear it. It's yep. wild. The universe is wild, man. It is. <laughs> you gotta so look, is. You got to look at everything like a like a fairy tale. Like, what does right, this really right. mean? What does this piece of the puzzle really mean? A year of inspired living is a wonderful gift that you are giving to the universe, and what are you going to do next? Well, you know, I've been asked that a lot. Um, I, I had a book that was written. It was about... Um, there were two books, actually. That was for my computer that burnt in the fire. So, again, I could look at blame and I could look at, but maybe it's just time to write a second a second year of Inspired Living because the response to this one has been so great. So, instead of, again, looking like, oh, my two books that I spent all those hours writing, you know, maybe those weren't the ones that were meant for everybody. So, this book has gotten a ton of good feedback. So I think it could be a series or I also think a lot about a book like this for teens, Mm. but I I would probably have to put it on Snapchat (laughs) to read it, you know, and that would be a lot of work to figure that out. But I do think we need a kinder youth and, you know, I don't entirely know how we do that, but maybe, maybe a year of inspired living for teens that just talks about kindness and awareness and consciousness, you know. That's Kelly Martinson. Her book is called A Year of Inspired Living, part journal, part guided meditation. If you'd like a copy, please email me from the website casey.co and give me your address too. We'll choose one email at random and send the book out on Monday. Hi, it's Casey. This is Shine On, the health and happiness show. The Shine On weekend retreat is a month away, March 2nd, 3rd, and 4th in Ossining, New York. Sign up at Casey.co. If you like the show, you'll love the weekend. You'll love the weekend. Now, we have some help for the young ladies in our lives from Katie Hurley. Practical Katie, a therapist, has found the words and ways to help us empower our youth. Her book is No More Mean Girls. And this girl is calling us from her mom's house. Where are you? In uh, a tiny town called Groton Long Point, Connecticut. Oh, how sweet. On the the shore. Okay, very nice, very nice. Did you grow up in this tiny town that your mom lives in? I did. I grew up spending my summers here in Groton Long Point, Connecticut, and my winters in West Hartford, Connecticut. So I'm a New Englander at heart. Did you experience mean girls? I did not experience Mean Girls until I got to college, and boy, was I, you know, woefully unprepared for them. What happened then? To this day, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. I could tell you that they really turned on me at some point and started stealing from me and spreading all kinds of rumors about me, and it was pretty overwhelming, and I was fortunate to be able to make a different set of friends to carry me through the rest of my college career. Right. And now, what does your family life look like? I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old daughter named Riley and a 9-year-old son named Liam, and my husband's a rock and roller, and we split our time between Los Angeles and small-town Connecticut. Oh, get out. Yeah. 
<laughs> what does he do in the world of rock and roll? He's a bass player. He hops around to different people. That's the benefit of the bass player. But he plays with Adina Menzel and John Mayer at times and all sorts of different wonderful, amazing people. Okay, so for your kids, your daughter especially, she probably has a leg up on the mean girls because she's got a cool dad, right? That's right. And, you know, I always say that father-daughter relationships are super important in the 9 to 12 years. That's kind of make it or break it for self-esteem. And when dads, whether or not they're cool rock and rollers, you know, when they spend time, one-on-one time with their daughters, getting to know them and just getting interested in their passions, it really helps build girls up. Yeah, and that's what we need. No More Mean Girls is the book. Who should be reading it? Moms like you? Moms like me, educators. It's it's packed with research and all sorts of actionable strategies, so it's great to use in a classroom, uh, therapists and group settings, and moms and dads. What makes a mean girl? Well, low self-esteem. It's a terrible combination of low self-esteem and trying to find, you know, sort of claw your way to the top. So it's all sorts of different uh, emotional issues when we dig beneath the surface. All right, let's talk to the moms of daughters. Let's talk to the Girl Scout leaders and the camp counselors. What can we do with the wisdom in your book to help our girls navigate these waters? One of the best things we can do is teach them assertiveness skills. We constantly, girls are shushed. They are called on less than boys in the classroom. They are conditioned to be polite and kind and likable. We've got to kind of break that pattern and teach them to be strong and confident and compassionate, yes, but also they need to be able to assert themselves. So really practicing those skills out in the community and role plays at home, um, allowing them to speak for themselves. All too often, parents speak for their kids. This is a mistake. Kids need to learn to raise their own voices. And then we've really got to teach young girls to work together. For too many years, women have felt the need to claw their way to the top, but girls and women are stronger together. So putting them in groups together and helping them learn to empathize with one another and sort of lift each other up is really, really important. All right. Give us some words to say. The mom is talking to the daughter and the daughter's like, I don't want to raise my hand. I'm going to get picked on or I don't want to give my opinion. What are the words we use to get them motivated? When girls are hesitant to, to raise their hands and to engage, we, we just want to say to them things like, hey, the more you speak out, the more people get to know you. The more chances you take, the higher you fly. Girls are petrified of failure. We have to tell them about our failures. I tell my daughter all the time about my flops as an adult and when I was 11 and when I was in college. I tell her these stories not to scare her, but to tell her, hey, this is normal. Kids go through times where they don't feel like they're doing their best, but we learn from our failures and so really using those stories and using those words and then just also really the number one thing girls tell me they want from their moms is to listen and not fix we are fixers by nature we want to solve all their problems for them they don't want that they want us to listen they want us to hug them they want us to spend time with them they want a little bit of guidance but they want us to know that they are figuring things out okay when does the parent get involved when there's a mean girl situation when does one mom call the other mom ever no, I actually don't really recommend it because the thing we're seeing right now a lot of is parents are having these meetings, they're having coffee date meetings, and they're putting the victims and the aggressor across from each other and saying, oh, let's all be friends. This is really bad for the victims. Um, it's like double victimizing them in a way because then they have to sit there and be polite and just sort of move on when they've been dealing with really hurtful stuff. So I always caution parents, go through the school, talk to the classroom teacher. Teachers are wonderful human beings. They are not doing their jobs to become rich and famous. They are doing their jobs because they 
they want to help kids thrive. So go through the school first. Um, if you're going to have meetings with the other parents, have have a representative there who can help you navigate it because there are going to be big feelings on both sides, even for the adults in the room. Mm, that's for sure. And teachers, oh, they know, they know, they know what's going on. They're in it. Ooh, yeah, they're in it. And they're trying, sure. you know. <laughs> All right. We're, ta- we're talking with Katie Hurley, the book No More Mean Girls. Share one of the stories from the book that you find most inspiring. Well, for years I worked with a little girl and she started coming to me when she was seven and she was having struggles with mean girls. All her preschool and kindergarten friends suddenly just turned on her. They would not sit with her at the lunch table or they would sit down for a minute and then say, this table smells and make everyone laugh and get up and walk away. They would put little eraser bits on her seat so that when she stood up she had things stuck to the bottom of her pants. I mean, they were really just emotionally torturing this kid day after day under the radar, trying to get away with it. The teacher was trying really hard to catch them so that she could intervene a little bit more. But I worked with her and I really taught her First of all, how to speak up for herself. Second of all, how to ask for help, because too often we're teaching kids that they have to solve all their own problems. And, you know, we all need help in life. And I think that's a good lesson for girls and boys is we all need help. Ask for help. Find your people who are going to support you. So we worked on assertiveness. We worked on asking for help. And then we just worked on tapping into her strengths. And don't you know, she was this wonderful writer. And she started writing a play, sort of loosely based on Harry Potter, which was her favorite, but bringing in all these sort of friendship issues. Well, by the end of the third year that I was working with her, she had all these kids lined up to try out for her play that she was just putting on on a Saturday afternoon, and she allowed those kids. She gave them a chance, even though they had been unkind in the past. She said, this is it. This is how we're going to be friends again. And she really worked through that, and they all came together, and some of them apologized to her. She started getting invited to things again, and her self-esteem really started to shoot up again. And it was just a, it was a nice story of how kids can correct their behaviors. Too quickly we say, that's a mean girl, stay away from her. Well, we have to remember that the mean girl is struggling with something too, and maybe that person can be helped, and maybe we don't need to label them and put them in a box. If we stop doing that and we give kids chances, they can correct things and they can improve. Right. We have to remember that the mean girl is struggling too, because you do do a disservice to a child when you say, when you say, that's a mean girl, stay away, because, you know, maybe the girl really wants to be friends. Absolutely. Maybe she doesn't know how to make friends. Maybe she doesn't know how to enter and leave conversations or join a group that's already a group. I mean, kids struggle with any number of things that they sort of internalize. They don't come to us and say, I don't know how to do this. Right. <laughs> you know, we have to help them figure it out. And it's funny, I just saw the movie The Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. Have you seen it yet? I haven't. That's on my list. I'm, I'm really desperate to see it. You'll see it. And there's a wonderful scene in there that you'll relate to one of uh, P.T. Barnum's daughters. You know, her dad is P.T. Barnum. He's got the greatest show on earth, right? And the kids yeah. at school, when she walks by, say, I smell peanuts. You know, oh, it's classic yeah. mean girl stuff going back to the 1800s. Classic, yeah. So uh, That's n- right. it's not yeah. new, but how we deal with it is new in your book. No more mean girls. Katie Hurley. Good stuff. Where do we go for more information? You can go to my website, practicalkatie.com and find lots of good stuff there. I'm on Facebook at Katie Hurley LCSW and Twitter and all the other places. And my book is available everywhere books are sold. Practicalkatie.com. No more mean girls. Let me know if you want a copy. Now, are you supposed to be creating your own business? Sometimes, if you really want something, you have to make it yourself. Jessica Myrowitz wanted a big, soft blanket. Now she has a business with a side of mindfulness. Jessica 
It's a yummy? It's called a yummy because when you touch my yummy products, they're so yummy. All of our yarn is made by hand. It's 100% merino wool. And we create the yarn, the finished products, or you can make your own by using a do-it-yourself kit. We're talking about blankets and throws and baby blankets and hats and pillows and wraps and scarves and belts. Oh, my. <laughs> Lots of different products. How did this all come to be? I wanted to make a throw for my family room and I wanted to make it with really large yarn and large needles and I couldn't find the exact kind of yarn that I wanted to use. So I started calling yarn stores all over looking for a particular look, a particular feel, and a particular quality and couldn't find it. So I started calling mills. And I said, I want to make a throw for my family room. And this is what I want the yarn to look like. And this was back in January of 2016. And we started thinking about how can we make this? What can we do? And I started having Mills send me samples so I could knit a blanket. A so, big yummy. A big yummy. And I wanted the yarn. And that's the word actually I used when I would talk to the Mills. I said, I want it to feel yummy. I wanted somebody to touch it and want to curl up with it. As time went on, I realized that I can't be the only person who wants a yummy. So I said, I think I have a business here. And I called back to the Mills and I told them I'm going to start my own company. And I told them to start making me samples and let's get started with this. And as time went on, I figured out where I wanted to have my yarn manufactured. And I started creating patterns and I started creating just the look of the company and I made the logo and I thought it was going to be something that I would kind of do. I would make blankets, but the reception that I got was so tremendous when, once we finally launched that I said, I think I need to grow this. I started with three products and 13 colors. It was a scarf, a baby blanket, and a throw. And the reception was incredible. People really liked it. They wanted to buy more. So I started creating more products. And I started training moms in my town how to knit. So I would have other people to help me knit. So we, I have people who knit for me. I have people who sell for me. I have people who help me with my books now. All people who are moms from my area. We do a lot of custom work. We work for a lot of decorators and designers in the area doing projects for them. But as I was doing this more and more, I also saw there were some other aspects. Because I was training people how to knit, I saw that there was a desire for people to learn to knit, to do it themselves. And there's so many health and wellness benefits from knitting. It's so mindful and it's so meditative that in addition to expanding the products and the yarn, I was able to move into mindful knitting classes as well as do-it-yourself kits. So I go to destination spas and resorts now, and I run mindful knitting workshops to teach other people how to knit so they can experience the benefits of knitting, and they also get to knit with my yummy yarn and my yummy needles. And from there, I created a do-it-yourself kit, which we were lucky enough to have debut on the Today Show as a holiday must-have gift. And we're just so appreciative and thankful for all the opportunities and also to get knitting out there to people, to get our yummy yarn out there to people because to truly appreciate the beauty of It's a Yummy products, you must experience them in person because the yarn is 
so soft and so yummy. It's a yummy.com. Jessica can teach you to knit, pick up the kit, and you're on your way. Today's thought for the day is from someone who is called the Money Love Man, Jerry Gillies. He passed away in 2015, but he said, You will recognize your own path when you come upon it, because suddenly you will have all the energy and inspiration you will ever need. Wishing that for all of us. See you next week. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with Casey, an Ella's Leash production. The content of Shine On, the health and happiness show is intended for general information purposes only. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Join Casey for another edition of Shine On, the health and happiness show next Sunday morning, right here on 100.7 WHUD.